Hey everybody, Sam Oaks here from the Financial Planner Life. And just to let you know, this week we have a feature episode where we talk about inclusivity and diversity within the financial planning profession. It's never had the best reputation. When you think of a financial planner, it tends to be a middle-aged man in a suit and white. So the guests we've got on the podcast in this compilation talk about their personal experiences of diversity and inclusivity within the financial planning profession and what can be done. So I hope you enjoy the episode. Even if you had a 20-year-old guy in the office, he then took shared paternity leave with his partner. Exactly, yeah. What's, what's the difference? Like, it, it is no difference, but in my opinion, that should be the norm. Like, now, it's not, but I feel like in years to come, it probably will be, because parenting is becoming a lot more 50-50 than it ever yeah. has been. So I think the same thing. Why should people be hired or not hired? Because there's a potential of them having time away from the business for a short period of time. If you're respectful enough to that employee, know that they're good enough at their job and kind of tailor your needs to their needs, it tends to work better in the end. So I think it's definitely something that needs to be worked on. And like you say, I've heard people say, well, should we take her on? Because, oh, we've got a guy that we could take on. So maybe that's better. Yeah. And it's just, it's crazy because that woman could have been the best employee they ever had. But just because she's got kids or she might have kids, she's not got the job because of that reason it's just ridiculous yeah and ultimately you know it's discrimination when you know it's not <laughs> legal to do it but it's it unnerving as I said how much these conversations go on and ultimately if you're in a position where you've got two individuals and you ch- in, decide to employ the male over the female yeah. because of this one reason you are promoting that you are promoting that gender inequality within the industry. And I think businesses need to to realise that. And, you know, and also, as I said, we've shared, as you mentioned, we've shared parental leave soon. You know, you could make this decision on something completely objective as well, because you don't know whether this is going to happen. And ultimately, you know, the... You, you don't know that gentleman might have a pregnant partner, uh, you know, exactly. throughout all that period. So you're almost getting yourself and shot yourself in the foot as well at times because you don't actually know what's going on behind closed doors and could you expand a little bit about sort of your experiences with tattoos and and appearance within the industry yeah so um like I said I've I've been in the industry like forever since I was (laughs) 19 it feels like forever um and whenever I would get tattoos they would always be hidden um, like I've, weirdly, I've got my feet done and I always used to buy shoes that like had a bit of material over the yeah. top, hide them. Um, and from, from that young age, it was said to me, you know, oh, you have to look presentable. Completely agree with that. You know, their, their clients at the first IFA I worked for were of the older generation. They perhaps didn't like it. And they had these opinions that, you know, people that had tattoos were thugs and, and this, you know, this kind of, um, thought process so I always had them where I could hide them um and actually I don't think it was until I got to the verve group that I was genuinely be able to go okay I'm me and I can just relax and I can wear short sleeve tops and um I can have opal to open toed sandals and that yeah. thing. um so I the tattoos that I've got that I never would have had before are, are my arms um because in the summer, I could never kind of hide that. It is just too much to try and keep everything hidden. Do that 30 degrees outside exactly. you with a knitted jumper on, like, oh, I'm fine. <laughs> I'm, I'm really not, <laughs> um, so I went ahead and I did it. And 
it was amazing to come into the office and for um, our CEO, Kathy, um, our COO, Joe, for them to both be like, oh, amazing. Like, that's really cool. And to not feel like I can't, I'm more in front of people than I ever was in any other job. And yeah, I've got more tattoos on show than I ever did before. Um, it's difficult because I do I do understand where businesses are coming from. And if you deal with clients, yes, you need to look professional. But I am of the opinion that tattoos don't necessarily look unprofessional. No, no, 100%. And you, I think you mentioned something, and I've also teased this out from one of your articles, but you said then like this impression that, you know, having tattoos and everything makes you a thug. I know, well, I don't know, but I'm sure there's lots of people out there that are thugs that have zero tattoos. Mm-hmm. And some people that I know that are covered in tattoos are some of the sweetest, nicest people ever. And there's, I think there is a difference between presentable and professional. If I walk into work in my pajamas and I haven't brushed my hair, like that is not presentable nor professional but if I walk in and I've you know in a nice dress but you can see tattoos that's still presentable and professional it's it's a very difficult caveat and I mentioned this to you before that it's something that I really resonate with because recruitment not so much now I think COVID has definitely changed perceptions with like dress code and things like that but definitely when I was interviewing for this role it was still you know nine to five office business wear you know smart shoes smart dresses Um, and I had a nose ring and I remember telling my recruiter who helped me with this job like do I take my nose ring out and he was like I think it's for the best so I did and for my second stages, funnily enough, I forgot. So I wore it in all the time. And I was really glad because I was there, like, no one's going to get a surprise. But even that attitude of like, oh, I'm going to take it out because people might, you know, receive me better or I'm more likely to get the job because I haven't got a nose ring in is absolutely ridiculous when you think about Great. it. Yeah. And it is you do sit there now and go, what? That's mad. But it was only a few years ago that I was feeling like this. And I I do understand there are different parts of the industry and, you know, there are certain things that are okay and aren't okay. And, you know, I'm not going to get everyone moaning at me for that. <laughs> I do get it. But I also don't think that having ink on your skin or a nose ring or bright hair means that you can't do your job or you're less capable or you're less approachable. Um, I had someone on an article comment that I was reckless. And I'm like, honestly, if you knew me, I'm the least reckless <laughs> person you have ever met in your life. <laughs> But we've just spoken about previously also about like the industry and how we need to take more of a responsibility to allow more people to to access financial advice and stuff like this. And if we remain with the stereotype of male, I always say this and I'm not brandishing all financial advisors this, so no one shout at me. But if we continue with this um, stereotype of male pales and stale and we don't include people that have bright hair or a nose ring or a lip ring or you know a tattoos that are visible we are feeding into this dialogue of financial planning is almost something like elitist and that you have to be part of this club to be part of it while if we're trying to promote closing the advice gap we have to have a different attitude and view of all of this i think as well one of the things you have is that you have experience and the thing that you have is the, the experience to be able to talk to clients as well if they're going through that situation as a parent, because not only is your your son was transitioning to um, your daughter, now your daughter, you were transitioning as well. 
you know, you're, you, you, you yeah. as a mother were being challenged in your thinking, right? And what you thought was right and what you thought, th what you thought was something isn't, but at the same time, an utter sense of relief because it, hopefully on the pathway to better self-worth and feeling better about themselves, they're no longer suicidal thinking. So there's such a, 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 a muddle of emotions yeah. that can happen and you've gone through it and that is powerful to share and i i applaud you and i think you should take that because it fits into things like vulnerable clients and it fits into an, there's a lot of people out there that are thinking about it that just need their perspective slightly changed whether they're going through it themselves or whether they're a parent of experiencing that you've got a lot to give and a lot to give back on and i'm i'm you know, I applaud you and well done for sharing that. I think there's that element of if you if you share a little bit about yourself with your clients, you can emphasize better. We've all been mm. through something like I'm sick in marriage, I've been a single parent. I've probably had more than most, if I'm honest, that I could share. But I think if you give that little bit of yourself, you know, I will counter that by that meeting is not about you. Mm -hmm. You don't talk more than your client, you listen more than your client. But I think if you can Use an example, whether it's about you or a client confidentially, you're not naming anyone or not, make sure they don't know each other. But you can say, look, I've had a client that's experienced this or I know somebody's experienced that. That person just doesn't feel alone anymore, do they? They feel like they've got somebody there. So when this news, when I finally figured out, and, I, I, oh, you know, I've been to hell and back trying to find a reason. I have been to hell and back. And when I got the reason, I did get in touch with a, a support it wasn't even a charity, it was a support group. And there was one woman there phoned me. She gave me about two hours of her time. And see, after that conversation, I felt so much better. Felt so much better. Her daughter became her son. And I thought, I'm not alone. I am in the minority. This isn't happening to anyone I know. Mm. And to be fair, the things that have happened to me in my life have not happened to anyone I know before. But someone else has actually just doesn't even know me. Won't even tell me her name because it is such a polarizing area that it's felt a lot of hate. You know, there's a lot of people are really hatred here. This is possibly what I feel gay people maybe went through before. You know, it's there's not a great acceptance out there. So it is kind of is this person genuine when they're phoning and looking for help? You know, it is that sort of cloak and dagger stuff which opened my eyes a bit because I thought. I very much believe when everyone has their own business, they go through it. As long as they're a good person and they treat you well, my door's open for you. It doesn't matter what you are, but I think that kind of opened my eyes to this is not what it's like here. But that that stranger, um, whose name I don't know, gave me two hours of her time and made me feel so much better. So if I could do that for someone else or someone could listen... And if I can navigate what this journey is and somebody needs to find this out quicker than it's taken me to do, because as I say to Daisy, as it is Daisy now, so that, that's probably the hardest, but it's actually getting the name right and the pronouns. Mm. And they really are offended when you don't. So it's even learning that they're offended when you don't. But I had to back, but I would say, I'm trying. You know, you've been Michael for 20 years. I'm trying here. Um, and I think... They have to learn to accept that pe people that want to try are worth gold. People who maybe get it wrong but aren't doing it intentionally are worth gold. Hang on to them. My dad yesterday, when we were in the hospital for the burn that he got, 
he said he doesn't realise because he still says he, and then he goes she, and then he gets all confused, but he has nearly 79. I'm trying. Can you please make them aware I'm trying? And that kind of sums it up to me. If you want to try, you'll get there. You know, you might not get it right all the time, but and I think in this industry with financial services, we can try to help. And if it's something that interests you, offer that hand of friendship. Try and navigate the financial advice part of it because I definitely think you'll get referrals. Um, but do it because it's the right thing to do. Um, but I've always said if Daisy didn't have a Nicola, she'd be scuppered. And, and mm. Because I, I will find an answer to anything that's put in front of me because it's just the kind of temperament and character that I am. I also wanted to pick up on your ADHD comment, if that's all right. Oh, yeah, of course. I know I mentioned, so what was it, the conversation I had about it? It was basically saying that one um, sort of behaviour that people with ADHD can have is sort of getting that like dopamine hit when they buy something. So you get people who will just like have big shopping sprees, have all this beautiful stuff. And then at the end of it, they've just bought loads of stuff and they've got no money and then they get behind on their bills. And it will happen a lot where they'll have sort of just like big, sporadic, like spontaneous moments of spending. And then it's a bit erratic because it's it's linked with that ADHD functioning and how that can really impact someone's finances. And it's not necessarily something that's brought to the table very often, I don't think, when talking about money. Um, so, yeah, I, I mean, what did it jog in your mind when I brought that up? So firstly, as we're talking now, I am self-diagnosed, but I'm I'm almost 99.9% certain I demonstrate almost all, if not all, of the traits of, of ADHD. So this is something really close to my heart. Um, I think going back to people's relationship with money, the reason why someone with ADHD would have those sorts of impulses and that kind of cycle is it is very much linked to... Um, linked to your own thought process so they talk about hyper focus with adhd so that's why i've got no problem in researching a um computer uh what's Web it called a, a camera for three hours but that's what's really good about um i can research a fund for three or four <laughs> hours no problem so that actually is sort of a superpower for me um but yeah in terms of in terms of that, what, what happens if, if you imagine you're really excited about a holiday, for example, um, but then you go into it a bit deeper and you think, well, OK, so how am I going to get there? When when I get there, what kind of room am I going to be in? What are the activities I'm going to um, be be part of? And then you, you think about every single detail of that holiday. That's kind of like hyper focus mode with ADHD. And I think in terms of the dopamine yeah it's not i'm not kind of an expert with it but obviously people with adhd have irregular levels of of dopamine so the things that i guess um i, I think they call them neurotypical people um without adhd have those sort of chemicals that are produced and the processes they go through isn't isn't quite the same so the impulse idea with um, buying things and, and getting that rush is is a real thing. Um, for some reason, for myself, it's maybe going back to my background or my relationship with money. I, I do get that a little bit, but I seem to be able to stabilise. Um, but I do still have those hyper-focused moments where, like, for example, I've just bought three new pairs of trainers, um, all for different reasons, and I've researched them all because, yeah, they're all got to be the right ones. Yeah. But 
I could go like a few years without buying anything really um, like that. So, yeah, it, uh, Monzo Bank, who are a challenger bank, do some fantastic work on ADHD awareness. I'm with Monzo. And They're very, very good. I do the reels and actually quantify. I can't remember the exact stats, but actually it's it's um, really eye-opening as to um, how you could be um, worse off in terms of your money if you have ADHD. They've put some real numbers towards it. So that's great that they're doing that. But yeah, I think um for me it's it yeah it comes down to the same thing it's um it's not trying to i think we're we're kind of quite obsessed as a society with still with perfection um i was brought up before like the filter and selfie age but like it's just got a million times worse now so i think a lot of the time and it's, it's great to see those tiktoks and all the things everywhere with ADHD sort of labeling because it's it's something that people don't have to be um ashamed about but also once you've identified these things it's the same with other behaviors with money it doesn't mean you have to necessarily fix everything it's it's just being aware of that and putting things in place so even little things like making sure your um bills are all coming out on the first of the month just after your paid because then you're less likely you're going to have less money then to maybe splurge on those impulse buys or being mindful of of that when you're going to buy something it's like right do i need this um and thinking of the bigger picture as well so yeah we're not perfect but i think just those little things will would really help i think that leads really nicely into my next point in terms of like diversity and inclusion is always something that you've been really passionate about as well so like the idea that you know we are all human and we are all equal so do you mind talking about that that a little bit further for us please alice yeah so that that's um very close to my heart in lots of different like aspects and um we talked about this before that sometimes like diversity you know, we, there are some bits that you look at, but it's also just thinking about the whole, just everybody, we're all different. Um, you know, so I mentioned to you before that, so my parents are in same-sex relationship. And I feel like for me, that's just helped. Like since I was like two, uh, you know, it just opens you up to different worlds, different groups of people. And I, I don't know how to explain it. It's just, I see that's, you know, I see people as who they are and what they bring to the conversation and to the world and to everything rather than, you know, sort of any kind of labels, um, which I really enjoy. And we've moved into like a diversity and inclusion. Um, we've brought in this committee basically. So it's, it's employee led. So it's myself and a few employees opened up because we were just passionate about it in so many ways. Um, I had a lady on my team who basically has been diagnosed with autism. And while she's been working with me, I've never um, experienced it before. I've never, it's never been something that came up. I've never managed someone with autism. But we spent a lot of time talking about it, being really open. She sent me those links to read. And it's just been like that openness and that kindness and just spending time with them. And every individual person is so different and what they need is different. And giving them all, like I say, this, this space to be successful. You know, she tells me um, what's not useful. Actually, when you communicate like this, I don't really get where you're coming from. I need you to do this, this, and this. It' great, amazing. Like 
all I want is to make sure that all of them are successful, whether it's progression plans, whether it's, you know, talking to them in a certain way that communicate that makes it easier. Like this is just it, it makes me really excited to be able to um just make small amendments to my day or the way I would talk or the way I'd communicate that actually makes a huge difference to their ability to be successful as authors. Um so yeah, it, it's one of those things that I never really thought about before. But when we when I got to Soltis and experienced all these things and people are different and we didn't have um a diversity committee. But we were like, we want to be better. Like I say we're all trying, we're all learning and going, actually, we need this. And we did um a big presentation to the whole company on neurodiversity and all the different types. And yeah, it just I think being open to it and making sure you're just kind because as well I wanted to ask her and it wasn't um I was asking her what she needed from me and sometimes that maybe makes people feel awkward to be like oh you know don't mention it it's actually like but I wanna I want to know send me things let me read content let me you know help you we have the most lovely relationship since it's really helped um I've been able to like immediate conversations for her because the communication's been tricky she's actually asked me to come along you know it's been a really nice experience and like opened me up to way more types of diversity obviously our industry lacking diversity um in terms of gender all kind of, those kind of things which is hugely important but there is so much more to it um i think i'm just so much more aware of all the different types of people and neurodivergence and all these things that crop up and you don't maybe think about straight away. Mm-hmm.